Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 8, Chapter 4, Part 1. Couldn't sleep, huh? Thermopolis asked as Caprizi stepped into the examination room. No, too much going on, he answered over a mug of coffee, setting a second down for Thermopolis. I could see you're in the same boat. I wanted to try to have some answers before the pilot briefing. And? I should know in a couple of minutes. Thermopolis lowered her safety goggles and picked up a rotary bone saw. On the table before her was the zombie head Bisbee had retrieved. Flicking the saw on, Thermopolis lowered the whirring blade to the zombie's skull and began to cut. Wake up, sleepyhead, Rachel whispered into Matthew's ear. Gah. Huh? What? He dreamily responded. Coffee's all made, the mess is set up. Let's go for a sunrise stroll. What time is it? Matthew asked, sitting up from his bunk and grabbing his uniform. Oh, 0530? Really? You want to take a mech for a stroll at 0530? No, Rachel answered coyly, stepping close to Matthew and helping him into his uniform. I want to take a sunrise stroll with you at 0530, privately. Matthew's fatigued brain finally caught up. Oh, well, in that case, uh, let me brush my teeth, Rachel smiled. Just before sunrise, Jay retrieved the security poles, handing them to the rookie. Several times they had to step past headless zombie corpses, their already rotted bodies quickly decomposing in the constant wasteland heat. What the hell happened? the rookie asked. Specially calibrated sonic frequency. Little something I rigged up a few years back, Jay responded. The rookie blankly stared at him. Jay sighed. Zombie brain composition is different than ours. I figured out the frequency so that if a zombie passes between two poles, its brain is vibrated until pop. But it only works on a small scale. So far. 
Jethro, are you up? Caprizi asked over the comm, sipping from his coffee mug while he watched Thermopolis work. Of course I'm up. With Jay gone, I'm on double duty. I'll sleep when I'm dead, Jethro answered. Good to hear it, Caprizi laughed. Listen, I want you in the briefing this morning also, so don't start any huge project you can't get away from. Sure thing, sir. Also, I need you to get everyone up and let them know the briefing will be early this morning. We have a big day ahead and need to be prepared. Will do, Commander. Bodies intertwined, trying to become one. Hands grasped, fingers gripped, two sets of hips interlocked. Hey, Rachel, have you seen Matthew anywhere? I can't get him on his calm. Jethro's voice squawked. Oh, shit, Rachel whispered. Don't move an inch. You're the boss, Matthew responded. Rachel ground down on him. Damn right. She flipped a switch. Yeah, I have sight of him. He's taking a walk and, uh, piss. Roger, wonder why he took his comm off. Who knows with that boy, he gets strange ideas in his head. Rachel killed the switch. Matthew thrust hard, making her climax immediately. Uh, looks like Matthew's on a morning walk, Jethro said over Caprizi's comm. Without his comm on? Caprizi asked. Guess so. You want me to go find him? Yeah, go do that and let Rachel know we are moving the briefing up. Can't you tell her over her comm? Jethro asked. I could, Caprizi responded, a tinge of annoyance touching his voice. But I'd hate to interrupt. Interrupt? What do you... Oh, yeah, right. I'll go get them right now, sir. Thanks, Jethro. And Jethro? Yes, sir? Don't let on that I sent you after them. Jethro laughed. Sure thing, sir. Hey, Rach? Yeah, baby? Why won't you sleep in the barracks? Why do you stay in your mech all night? Rachel uncurled herself from Matthew's half-naked form, stretched in the cramped cockpit, and kissed him deeply. He embraced her, answering the kiss equally. Their lips parted, and she stroked his cheek, looking into his eyes. She pecked him quickly and resettled onto his chest. That's not an answer. Nope. Ever going to? Yep. When we're both ready. Matthew thought for a second. Rachel looked up at him. He smiled down at her. Okay. Take your time. Thank you. Dr. Thermopolis tossed the latex gloves in the incinerator. So, Doc, what's the story? Caprizi asked. Turning, Dr. Thermopolis stared straight at the commander. She did not look well. Commander Caprizi waited patiently. Memory. Come again? The dead mechs are using the zombie brains for memory. They are like an undead hard drive for the mech's AI. So what does that mean tactically? Bisbee asked, having just entered the room. Caprizi ignored the interruption, wanting to know the answer as well. With their processing speed, the dead mechs are as intelligent, if not more, than humans. Fucking great, Bisbee groaned. Take your seats, please, Caprizi ordered. Jethro is joining us today since he may have some insights. Jethro gave an exaggerated wave to everyone seated. Caprizi rolled his eyes. First order of business is to watch some of the vid from Bisbee's encounter with Red Legs yesterday. Caprizi tapped at his tablet and the room went dark as a large vid screen filled with the grainy vid feed from the battle. I want you to watch the debtor. Watch how it moves. 
Don't want to overanalyze things. I want your gut feelings on this. The staff sat in silence as they watched. So, what do you think? Caprizi asked the room. Those seated looked around at each other, hoping someone had an answer. Dr. Thermopolis cleared her throat. I think the dead mechs are learning. They are becoming sentient. Most in the room gasped. You've got to be joking, Doc, Jethro growled. No, I'm not, mechanic, she stated flatly. I believe that because of the Reaper chip, the dead mechs are using the complexities of the human brain to do something in death that we couldn't do in life. And what is that, doctor? Rachel asked. They have created self-replicating AI. They live. June awoke suddenly and scrambled out from under the blankets she was wrapped in and got to her feet, turning to look at the small, dingy room she was in. There was no furniture, only the pile of blankets and a bucket in the corner. Bits and pieces of memory came to her, and from the bruises and cuts on her naked body and the intense pain radiating everywhere, she knew the day before hadn't been a dream. It had been a waking nightmare. The door to the room rattled and then opened, and the boss entered. Morning, sunshine. Hungry? Okay, everyone settle down, Caprizi said. The room hushed. As important as this is, it isn't the most pressing thing we have to deal with today, Caprizi paused. I received word that two med techs and a team of UDC security will be arriving at 1700 hours by train. All eyes fell on Thermopolis. Med techs? Harlow asked. For Steve? They don't send security for a wounded cook, Bisbee sniped. No, they don't, Caprizi continued. The techs are supposed to inoculate the base. But the doctor and I have found that to be a ruse. We cannot let them succeed. June grabbed for the blankets, wrapping them around her exposed skin. Now, there's nothing to be afraid of, the boss said, holding his hands up, palms out. No need for a pretty thing like you to get all worked up. Where am I? June asked, eyes darting from the boss to the door. No need to even try, the boss grinned. Hey, Chunks! Yes, boss? Chunks responded, just outside the door. Nothing. Just making a point. The boss's grin widened, showing sharp teeth filed to points. Now, before Chunks brings in breakfast, how about you tell me your name, darling? Quiet down, people, Caprizi commanded. The alarmed voices of the base staff ceased. As much as I would like sentient debtors and forced inoculations to be all of our worries, they aren't. Matthew? Thank you, sir. Matthew cleared his throat. I followed some ranchers out to Timpson's Bluff. Looks like they've set up camp there. So, Bisbee said impatiently, they were loading zombie herds onto UDC transports. What the fuck? Harlow exclaimed. Why? That seems to be the question of the morning, Pilot Harlow, Caprizi com commented. But we now need to prioritize threats. The train is first. I need suggestions. I asked you a question, darling. The boss said, his grin not meeting his eyes. Around here, I ask, you answer. There ain't any way around that. He stepped closer to June, backing her against the wall. Unless you want to be the next meal. June remained quiet, her body shaking from cold and fear inside her blankets. 
You sure you don't want to answer? All right, then. Lightning quick, the boss lashed out, slapping June across the face. He yanked the blankets from her and punched her in the stomach. June doubled over. I can do this all day, sweetheart. So it's not a retrovirus, Matthew asked. No, Thermopolis answered. The UDC is injecting nanotech into every person under its authority. Why? Rachel asked. We don't know, Capriese said, but every instinct in my body tells me it isn't for the greater good. So we don't let them inject us, Bisbee stated. Seems pretty fucking easy. This is the UDC we are talking about, not some city-state PD. How do we stop them without being marked traitors? Harlow exclaimed, let alone keep them from opening fire as soon as we try to stop them. I have an idea, Rachel said. Rachel! June screamed, shit streaming down her legs after the sixth stomach punch caused her bowels to loose. Rachel! Caprizi! Caprizi, huh? You must be the commander's brat. The boss stepped back, his eyes twinkling with malevolence. Chunks? Yes, boss, Chunks called from outside the room. Get me a harness, the boss smirked. I'm going to show everyone my fancy new breeder. In seconds, Chunks came into the room carrying a bundle of leather and metal. The boss put out a hand and Chunks placed the bundle into his outstretched palm. Thank you, Chunks. Now, Rachel, I advise you hold perfectly still. You think this will work? Matthew asked, handing Rachel another pitcher of water. Rachel took the water and poured it into the brewer. It's going to have to, Rachel responded, closing the brewer lid and turning the machine on. In seconds, the water began to gurgle through the system and the smell of coffee filled the kitchen. Thermopolis entered the kitchen, three vials in her hands. Remember, the coffee has to be cooled to room temperature or the heat will break down the sedative. No problem, Doc. I'll have coffee brewed, cooled, and slowly reheated before the train gets here. The boss led June through the village by a leash attached to a neck collar, which was in turn attached to straps that were buckled below her breasts, across her midsection, and down around her thighs. The boss smiled and waved, acknowledging those that greeted him. June wanted to shut her eyes and pretend like nothing was happening, but she was warned she'd lose her eyelids if she didn't keep them open and hold her head up high. From what she could see of the village, the worst slums of the city-states were luxury compared to the squalor around her. Commander Caprizi waited as Jethro pulled the ATV back into the hangar. Everything's set, sir. If that doesn't jam them, then we're screwed. I don't want ifs, Jethro. I want certainty, the commander said. Sir... The UDC gave us all of this, Jethro responded, spreading his arms wide. But they didn't give us J. Ryan's brain. Trust me, his tech beats their tech any day. I hope so, or we will all be lined up in front of a UDC firing squad, Caprizi gazed out at the hangar to the train platform. I guess we're as ready as we're going to be. Ladies! The boss greeted a small group of women dressed in a dirty patchwork of clothing gathered about a massive cook pot. This is Rachel, the women stared. The boss gave a strong tug on the leash, pulling Rachel closer to the group. She fought to keep from gagging over the smell emanating from the cook pot. Rachel will be joining our family. 
I need to make sure she doesn't attract any unwanted visitors our way. When you're done, let Chunks know. He'll carry her back. The boss handed June's leash to one of the women and he strode away. Excuse me, Bisbee. Can I have a quick word? Dr. Thermopolis called down the hallway. Bisbee stopped, but didn't turn to look at her. What you need, Doc? I need to ask a few questions, if you don't mind. Bisbee didn't move. What about? Well, mainly about Stanislaw. How he died, why he died. Bisbee stiffened noticeably on top of his already rigid frame. Nothing to say, Doc. Please? Bisbee turned and looked square at the doctor. To her credit, she didn't flinch. Bisbee watched her for a moment, sighed, and strode past her as she held her office door open. Two of the women conferred while June, naked and trussed up, waited and watched. Just beyond the women and cookpot stood an animal pen. June craned her neck for a better look and gasped. Are those children? she asked, horrified. In the pen, she could clearly see several deformed children of varying ages playing and sleeping in their own filth. Them's ain't children. Them's breed feed, one woman said quietly. Breed feed? June asked, sure she didn't want to know the answer. Hush, a large woman shouted, pulling a long, sharp knife from behind her back. Hold her tight. Caprizi entered the infirmary as Harlow checked Steve's vital signs. How's he doing? He's stable, she answered. Can we move him quickly if needed? Doc did great work, and I have equipment and supplies all set in the transport. What if we can't take the transport? Will he survive a ride in a mech? Harlow sighed. I don't know, sir, but from what Thermopolis has said, I don't think so. If his sutures rupture... I understand, pilot. Sir? Yes, Harlow? Have we gotten word to Masters, Jay, and the Rookie? We can't risk it. Communications are sure to be monitored. The massive walls and heavily gunned turrets of Foggy Bottom came into sight just as the mechs crested a low hill. Wow, hasn't changed much, the Rookie whispered. You been here before? Jay asked, disengaging the motor drive and taking manual control of the salvage mech. Yeah, when I was a kid. So when was that? Last month? Jay joked. The rookie didn't respond, his eyes fixed on the approaching city-state. Jay glanced down at the rookie's hands, fists clenching and unclenching. You looking for a fight? Huh? What? Oh, sorry. Bad memories. Well, we'll see if we can fix that. What are you doing? Let me go! June screamed as the women threw her face down onto a table. June's face was forced into a hole in the table and her head was strapped down tight. What the fuck are you doing? The large woman kneeled down and put her face up close to June's. The stench of B.O. and rotting teeth was overpowering. You'll want to be still and shut up or this will go badly for you, the woman sneered and then nodded. Start cutting. June felt excruciating pain as a blade sliced into the base of her skull. You're wasting my time, Doc, Bisbee growled from a seat in front of Thermopolis's desk. I'll be brief, Thermopolis responded. Did Stanislaw engage the dead mech, or did the dead mech engage Stanislaw? What's the difference? Quite a bit, actually, Bisbee glared. The deader attacked Stanislaw. 
I guess what I'm trying to say is, did it find you or did you find it? We found it. It was hiding below, and when Stan was in range, the thing came up and... Bisbee choked on his words. He shook his head and stood up. Are we done? Yes, Biz. Thank you. Caprizi activated the open comm. All right, folks, the train will be here in two hours. I expect each and every one of you to do your part. I know we have all sworn loyalty to the UDC, and with good reason, but something has changed, and our ultimate duty is to the safety and survival of mankind, not some generals holed up in a mountain fortress. Caprizi paused and took a deep breath as the base waited for him to continue. If any of you want out, now is the time to speak up. Otherwise, I wish us all good luck. Jay's calm crackled to life. Attention approaching mechs, this is Defense Tower Alpha. Welcome to Foggy Bottom. Please power down weapon systems and follow the security ATV to transport entrance. Will do, Defense Tower Alpha. That you, Scoggins? Hey, Jay. Long time no calm. You bring me anything? Sure shit did, my man. What time you off? 2200. Swing by my place later. Hey, Jay? Yeah. Stay on mission and out of the plazas and going around, hitting folks hard. Jay glanced at the rookie. Thanks for the heads up, Skog. Later on. Roger that. June groaned as she awoke. The base of her skull felt like she was on fire and searing pain overwhelmed her entire head, neck, and spine. Well, looks like nap time is over, she heard the boss say next to her. She tried to turn her head and screamed from the new agonies that ripped through her. Oh, I'd stay still for a bit, the boss said. You're going to hurt for a while. Realization slammed into June's conscious mind. I can't feel my legs, she croaked. The boss laughed. Yeah, that happens. Should go away soon. If not, well... The foggy bottom transport gates opened, allowing the security ATV and mechs to enter the scan yard. Afternoon, pilots, a voice greeted them over the comm. I'm Security Officer Zhang. I need to run a full contaminant scan of your mechs before proceeding to the hangar. As you may have heard, we are having some type of outbreak here, and we need to detect and isolate any further issues. Shouldn't take more than 30 minutes or so. Sorry for the delay. Got it. Thanks, Jay responded, then unlatched his harness and kicked his feet up. Might as well get comfortable. Proximity klaxons sounded. UDC train ETA is 15 minutes, Jethro announced over the comm. Caprizi switched to an open channel. Okay, base, I want everyone in place and ready. We have one shot at making this work, or we'll end up with an entire UDC division down our throats. You know your places. Let's do this. Um, let's do this, Rachel said from Caprizi's office doorway. I haven't had to give a rousing speech in a while. Cut your old man some slack. Rachel crossed and hugged her father. What's this about? Caprizi asked, returning the hug. Just in case. Who's the new guy? Asked the security officer at the admin desk. Rookie, Jay answered. Figured that much, since new guys tend to be rookies, the officer said sarcastically. Which is why we call him the rookie, dumbass, 
Master said, stepping around Jay to face the officer. Fuck. Should have guessed it'd be you this time, Masters, the officer growled. Good to see you too, Rodriguez, Masters growled back. Rodriguez and Masters locked eyes. Jay cleared his throat. If you guys are done touching dicks, can we move on? You know the rules. Rodriguez buzzed them into the city-state proper. Keep the comm open until after all UDC personnel are off that train, then shut it down, Caprizi ordered Jethro. He turned to Matthew as the pilot was climbing into his mech. Stay hidden. Once Jethro jams communications, you are on your own. Get to the first city-state you can and find out what's going on. We need details and data if we are going to piece this together. Yes, sir, Matthew responded, powering up his mech. Rachel entered the hangar and gave a slight wave. Matthew smiled and nodded, then engaged his mech's legs and walked into the wasteland. What was that about? the rookie asked, tossing his bag into the back of the SUV the pilots had been provided with. Jay tossed his in behind, gave a small laugh, and moved to the driver's seat. Ask tough guy there. The rookie stepped aside as Matthews threw his pack in with the rest. Old acquaintance. Ha! Jay barked. That's what you're going to tell him? Holy shit, that's rich. Fuck you, Rind, Masters growled. Fine, I'll tell him, Jay, Jay said as Masters climbed into the passenger seat. The rookie took the back seat. That was Harlow's ex-husband. Masters glared. What did you do to me? June asked, starting to shiver. Look at that, you have chill bumps on your skin. That's a great sign. You should be up and walking in no time. The boss laughed, placing a rough hand on June's back. Not to mention the other activities I have planned. What did... June started, but a fierce slap on her exposed ass stopped her. I heard you the first time, bitch, the boss growled. I just made sure that little chip in your head wouldn't bring any visitors. You disabled my reaper chip? No, I removed it. The SUV sped through foggy bottoms, busy streets, dodging scooters, vendor skiffs, and pedestrians. In a hurry? The rookie asked Jay, holding onto his oh-shit handle for dear life. Med Center closes in ten minutes. We need to get this supply rack in ASAP, or we could end up here on a an extra day, Jay answered. The rookie turned his attention to Masters, who was staring out the side window, lost in thought. So Harlow was married before you met, the rookie inquired. When we met. Masters answered gruffly. Ah, that would explain the hostility. Yep, that would explain it, Masters agreed. The UDC train powered down and the doors to the two cars behind the engine opened. Twenty UDC troops stepped onto the platform from the second car and surveyed the scene. Their commanding officer walked to the first car. Clear, you may disembark now. Two medtechs exited the first car, each carrying a medium-sized titanium case. Caprizi crossed from the hangar. Evening. Welcome. Sergeant Major Crowley, sir. I'll be overseeing the inoculations, the troop officer said, offering a salute, which Caprizi promptly returned. Excellent. Uh, if you will all follow me, I'll show you where you can set up. The boss left June to shiver and shake on her own. She tried to huddle her body against the wall for warmth, but even the slightest movement made her head explode, and she cried out. There, there, now, dear. 
the woman's voice said as June felt a blanket being draped across her. This will help. I know how it is. You had this done to you? Who are you? June asked, unable to turn her head to see her visitor. I was the one with the knife, sweetie. I took out your chip. I used to be a UDC doctor. Lights flashed behind the SUV. Shit, Jay yelled. We don't have time for this. Masters glanced back at the FBPD cycle closing in on them. Its siren sounded twice, then held when Jay didn't pull the SUV over. Fuck em, Masters said. Head to the med center. I'll talk us out of this. Jay laughed. You think Rodriguez hasn't put you on the fuck with list? Good luck. Fuck em, Masters said again. Good plan. Way to think it through. Jay shook his head. Um, can mech pilots be arrested? The rookie asked. Yes, Masters and Jay answered in unison. This should be enough space, Caprizi stated as they entered the mess. We have coffee ready if you'd like. Sergeant Major Crowley surveyed the room and motioned for his team to take up positions. Two groups broke off and spaced themselves evenly about the walls, carbines lowered, but at the ready. We aren't allowed to fraternize. Coffee won't be necessary. Rachel approached Crowley with a steaming mug. You don't have to talk to us, but I'd hate for you to pass up the best coffee ever. The aroma from the mug made Crowley's eyes widen. That does smell good, pilot. I shot the wreck to your tablet. It'll tell you who to ask for, Jay said, watching the FBPD officer in the rearview monitor. Make it quick. We got some drinking to do. I don't know. Last time I drank with you, I ended up banished on this trip with you two. The rookie laughed. Banished? Masters asked, sounding pissed. I was at the base for six months before Caprizi let me make a wreck trip, so shut the fuck up. Just hurry, Jay said as the officer tapped roughly on the driver's window. Jay looked to Masters. You're on. Ma'am, I think I speak for all of my men. This is the best damn coffee ever. Crowley stated, and each of the UDC soldiers lifted their mugs in salute. Rachel grinned. Well, drink up. I'll be sure and send some with you. Thank you, Crowley downed his coffee, and the other soldiers followed suit. We're ready, a medtech said. Commander, please send in your staff. Of course, Sergeant Major. They should be along in three, two, one. One by one, the soldiers began to sway, then drop. Crowley tried to lift his carbine, but failed falling unconscious to the floor. We're, we're closed, the receptionist called out as the rookie walked into the med center lobby. Emergencies go to FB General. I know, sorry, I'm with... I'm a mech pilot. I just need to drop off a supply rack to a doctor... The rookie fumbled with his tablet, looking for the name. Lisbon? The receptionist looked up suddenly at the mention of Lisbon's name. Oh, I'm sorry... Dr. Lisbon is no longer with us. Oh, transferred? No, you misunderstand. Dr. Lisbon passed away last week. Shit, really? Um, sorry to hear that, the rookie paused. Then who do I give the wreck to? How long have you been here? June asked between the waves of pain shooting up and down her spine. Forty-three years, six months, and seven days. June gasped. My God, you didn't try to escape? The woman laughed. Of course. There's only two ways out, death or banishment into the waste. 
No one's ever escaped? One, my grandson. I was able to help him leave, but my son took my feet for it when he found out, so I couldn't follow. June cried out as feeling returned to her legs. Pain flayed her nerves open and set them afire. Masters was standing outside the SUV, talking with the FBPD officer when the rookie came out of the med center. Here he is, officer. Masters grinned, nodding towards the rookie. The rookie stopped short as the FBPD officer came around the SUV and approached him, retinal scanner in hand. Let him scan you so we can get moving, Masters smiled. He just needs complete records for his report. Please hold still, the officer commanded, placing the scanner close to the rookie's right eye. The scanner bleeped sharply and the officer checked it, puzzled. That's strange. This says you don't exist. The two med techs stood frozen. Rachel, would you mind showing these two to a holding cell? Caprizi asked. Gladly, Rachel answered, pulling her sidearm and gesturing for the techs to move. We are supposed to report to the train pilots within the hour, a tech stammered. You can report to them right now. They're waiting for you in the cell, Caprizi said. Rachel ushered the techs out the door as Bisbee came in. He glanced at the soldiers. That's some powerful coffee, he laughed. This plan is stretched thin, Biz. I hope we can pull it off, Caprizi sighed. The officer scanned the rookie again with the same result. Nope. You're still a ghost. Show me your ID validation code, sir. Masters stepped next to the rookie. Is this necessary, officer? I mean, we both check out. Masters motioned towards Jay, who in turn waved enthusiastically. I'm sure it's just a record-keeping glitch. Your code, sir? The officer insisted. The rookie looked to Masters, who just shrugged. Um, sure. The rookie tapped at his tablet. There you go. The officer studied his own tablet. Looks in order. Sorry to bother you, pilot. Are we done here? Jay interrupted. My legs are burning, June cried out. That's just the nerves turning back on. The pain is a good sign, the woman soothed. Fuck you, it's a good sign, June yelled. Removing a reaper chip is not easy. You're lucky to be alive, let alone feeling anything. The pain subsided and June took deep breaths. Better? the woman asked. Yes, barely. It'll go away. June heard a chair scrape the floor. I'll, I'll be back with some food and water. Don't try to move. You aren't out of the woods yet. Woods? June asked. Just something my grandmother would say. That was weird, Master said as the three pilots drove on. Never seen a scanner glitch like that. That's tech for you, the rookie quipped. By the way, Lisbon's dead. What? Jay nearly shouted. Dead? What from? Don't know. Receptionist didn't say. Who'd you give the wreck to? Masters asked. The receptionist? She said she'd pass it on and have everything ready by tomorrow afternoon. Excellent. Let's get this show on the road, Jay whooped. The rookie caught Masters eyeing him. What? I've just never seen a scanner glitch before, that's all. You already said that. I meant it. It's up to the two of you now, Caprizi said, handing Jethro and Thermopolis each a titanium case. I hope you can figure this out. We'll try, sir, Thermopolis said. Caprizi stepped to the door. I'll be with the pilots securing the UDC troops. Call me if you find anything. He looked them both in the eye, then left the exam room. 
You know anything about nanotech? Jethro asked Thomopolis. No. You? Not a thing. Jay's the theory guy. I'm just the grunt that keeps shit running. Well, it's time for us both to theory up, Thomopolis said, opening our case. Here you go, gentlemen, Jay said as he pulled to the curb in front of the UDC Diplomatic Lodging Building. I'll be back to get you two in a couple of hours. What? Where are you going? The rookie asked, confused. Jay's got needs to take care of, Masters laughed, grabbing a bag and tossing it at the rookie. The rookie raised his eyebrows. Commander is okay with this? Jay snorted. Not a fucking clue. What I do with my time while on a wreck run is my business. Jay narrowed his eyes. I'd like to keep it that way. These motherfuckers were armed for full-on fucking war! Harlow exclaimed as Caprizi entered the mess, seeing the organized piles of rifles, pistols, grenades, knives, and various other weapons and instruments. Each of the soldiers were trussed up with their arms and legs tied behind their backs. All remained unconscious. Well, they were on security detail through the waste, Matthew said. No, 90% of that gear would be stored on the board the train. The only reason they'd be armed like that is if they expected trouble, Rachel responded. They got it, Bismi smirked. Yes, Biz, they did, Caprizi agreed. Wow, nice digs, the rookie whistled in appreciation as he tossed his pack on the double bed. We got lucky, Master said, tossing his pack on his own double bed. Don't expect this every time. Usually we're stuck in the security barracks in the basement. These rooms are pretty much occupied by UDC brass and visiting politicians from other city-states. But I ain't complaining. Masters kicked his boots off and flopped onto the bed. You'll want to grab a shower before we head out tonight. Where are we going, by the way? Oh, you'll see. Jay never disappoints. Trust me. What is it? June asked as the woman carefully positioned June's head so she could eat. Food, the woman answered, lifting a spoon. What food? June focused on the spoon, trying to figure out the contents of the stew-like substance. The woman stayed silent. Why won't you answer me? You don't want to know the answer. No, I won't eat that. Maybe you just need to work up an appetite, the boss said from the doorway. Leave her be. Just because you're my mother don't mean I won't rape you till sunrise, the boss yelled. Now get the fuck out! Masters was snoring soundly when the rookie stepped from the bathroom, freshly scrubbed. He scooped up the mini-tablet on the bedside table and switched on the vid screen, scanning for a local news feed. While half the population is over the flu bug going around, the other half is still trying to recover. Local health authorities insist there is no relation to the mandatory inoculations given earlier this month. In other news, school superintendent Pierce... The rookie switched the vid screen off and stretched out on his bed. Exhausted, he was fast asleep in seconds, his light snores joining Masters's. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. 
This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 License. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. is running up. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.